Welcome to the Robcast. If you dig this, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash robshow. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash robshowtv. And keep up to date with all things Rob Show on social, The Rob Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And now for your listening pleasure, today's Robcast. Joining me on the phone... You've seen him on Gotham Live. He's been on Comedy Central's This Is Not Happening. You can hear him weekdays, Monday through Thursday, on the Anthony Cumia Show with Dave Landau. Joining me is Dave Landau. Dave, welcome to the show. Welcome to Southwest Florida. Uh, is this the first time you've done stand-up in quite some time, or have you been active with everything being shut down? No, I tried to do one of those internet shows, and it was one of the most uncomfortable experiences I've ever had. It was it's just the worst. So, yeah, this is the first time I'm actually getting on stage. So it'll be interesting if I can remember anything from my act at all. Now, this is not the first time that you've been to Southwest Florida, right? I think I hosted for you. Uh, you did a weekend at a place called Visani's. It's the comedy castle in Port Charlotte. Do you remember doing a weekend there where it's a giant castle? Of course. They have excellent food. And it is, yeah, it's one of the only castles I've ever played, actually. So that's kind of what reminds me that I've done it. But, yeah, I've done that. I've done that a few times. You're from Michigan, right? And isn't there a comedy castle up there as well? Or there There's was? There's the actual comedy castle, but they don't have the shape with the moat around it like Vasani does. So it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not the authentic castle of Port Charlotte. Where did you actually start stand-up? And how long? I know you started as a young kid. Like, how old were you when you actually first did stand-up? Well, I was 19 when I started at Second City in improv, and then I was like 20 or 21 when I started doing stand-up. And I started doing it yeah, in Detroit at the Comedy Castle, and then a place called uh, Coco's House of Comedy, Bee's Comedy Kitchen. They were all these really, really ghetto rooms, and uh, those helped me earn my stripes, because when people are just yelling the F word at you when you start, it's, uh, <laughs> I've had bottles thrown at me. It was it was fun. It was good days. But yeah, it was uh, it was a good way to get your feet wet in Detroit. When you start Second City at 19 and you're from Detroit, does that mean at 19 years old you moved to Chicago or did you commute back and forth? No, I joined the actual Detroit chapter, which was uh, at the time going. It stopped recently, but like uh, Keegan Michael Key's come out of there from Key and Peel. Um, there's a bunch of people that have come out of it. Actually, it's just unfortunately it shut down a few years ago. So you start doing stand up at 21, and you've been. I mean, I know you've done the road for a while. You've had specials. You've been on Gotham Live. You now host, or you're the co-host of the Anthony Cumia Show with Dave Landau, heard on Compound Media. Which Anthony was really the he was the first guy to get into the own your own content, do it yourself, and do it your own way game. He started Compound Media back in like 2014 from his basement, right? Or maybe it was 2012. And then when he got let go from SiriusXM, he started doing it full time and brought an entire network of funny people and started putting them on a platform that he owns the rights to and he does everything through. I don't know, you see a lot of stand-ups now doing this where they own their special and then they'll go around and they'll sell it instead of shooting it for a Netflix. And that's kind of what Anthony did, you know, nine, ten years ago. And now you're part of that. Yeah, it's amazing. And we had we have Rogan on a lot because Rogan actually gives Anthony the credit for giving him the idea to create that. Um, he's obviously done very well at it with the 100 million dollar spotify contract yeah man that's, but it, 
Yeah, it's amazing. It's It just shows you that you can create your own content and do your own thing. It's an exciting thing to see that happen for Joe because it shows everybody that you don't have to rely necessarily on the networks or somebody to give you a special or what, you know, playing the game that you don't want to play in Hollywood. It allows you to go out there, take a chance, put your own content out there. And it's the first time we've ever been living in this. Granted, it's oversaturated with garbage, but at the same time, there is quality. So what year did you actually start doing stand-up comedy? I was, I want to say 2003 or four, three, four. I, I was a re- I'm a recovering alcoholic, so part of, part of it is a blur. But, uh, yeah, 2004, I would say, professionally. And that was right at the launch of, like, MySpace. So social media, I mean, you've, almost the entire time you've been a comic, social media has been this presence for you. I mean, I don't know what it was like before social media. It's, I've only been doing radio in the age of social media. You've only been doing stand-up comedy in the age of social media. There's so much out there. It saturates everything down, and it's so much harder for the funny, good quality content to rise above it. But when it does, that's when it takes off, like a Joe Rogan, like the Compound Media Network. Absolutely. I mean, doing it before social media, I guess you could say it was a little happier. Um, you didn't have to be on guard all the time, <laughs> yeah. and there wasn't so much divided. Like, if social media has taught us anything, it's something that brought us all together, and it shows that we should not be all together at all for any reason. Yeah. And now it's the sort of beast <laughs> that we just have to tame, and I I hate it. There's nothing I hate more than it now. Um, but it's nice to have the Internet, and it's nice to be able to put content out there, but I could really, really lo- exist without having to be on Twitter and Instagram and every other thing all the time that I have to be just to be an entertainer. Yeah, it's weird because that Opie and Anthony audience used to be vicious, man. I remember listening to them growing up when they would turn on a radio show and then their listeners would call and they would harass a radio show, be one caller after another caller after another caller. And then that turned to social media where they started the virus chat forums and they started attacking people on Twitter and Facebook. I mean, Anthony and Opie had a very loyal presence and then they split. Did you get any heat from the... ONA, I don't know if they're still called the ONA Army or the virus or whatever. Did you ever get heat from their listeners for, not that you replaced Opie? I mean, in a way, you kind of stepped in after Artie stepped out and Artie stepped out after Opie had already split with Anthony. But do you ever get those residual, like, effects like, hey, fuck you, Dave Landau, you're not Opie? Oh, absolutely. See, I had <laughs> had two sides coming, which was terrible. I had the Opie's, I mean... They really hate Opie for some reason, so it's not so much that, but it's more the Jim thing, but Jim comes on all the time. Um, and I was on the show with Artie. It was the Artie and Anthony show, and I was third Mike, and then Artie left, and then I got his listeners and Artie's Howard Stern fans attacking me oh. <laughs> because, because I took Artie's job. So I had the O&A vicious, hateful trolls and the hateful Stern trolls coming at me for years. I mean, if you ever want to develop a very thick skin, it's like, that's when you get to the point where you're like, oh, do I just keep going or do I just kill myself today? Cause this, and then eventually you hear so much stuff that you just laugh at it and reply to it and, and make fun of yourself better. And you have to learn to be tactical about it. But yeah, there are, they are some of the most god-awful people. And I'm speaking about my own fans. Some of the most <laughs> awful people on the planet, but the ones that have come around and like me, and which is most of them, they're they're cool. A lot of them just they want oh the old O and A back, and it's just not. 
going to happen. So they have to take me, and eventually most of them have given me a chance and re- really like me, but at first they were not happy to have any change whatsoever. Yeah, but I think that's human nature, man. I used to work for a guy named Kid Chris. Out of, uh, he was in Philadelphia when I worked for him, and then he's bounced around the country a lot doing radio, and he used to, every time he'd start in a new market, he would say, you're going to hate this at first, but eventually you're going to go, oh, it's not so bad, and then eventually you're going to find yourself liking it. People just hate change. They're not accustomed to it, and it bothers them when it happens. Yeah, and people just hate people. I mean, if you're in any position <laughs> yeah. that somebody wants to be, which is one of those, uh, which is essentially next to Anthony Cumia, which a lot of people would love the opportunity, you're just going to get attacked, and you're just going to, people are going to make assumptions about you if you have an opinion, if you tweet something people don't like. I mean, look at the world right now. If somebody doesn't like it, they tell you in, in horrible ways. And it's a shame, but eventually you just have to realize this is, Part of being an entertainer at this point, a radio host and a comic, is that people are very vocal, but they're also very vocal about loving you. So you kind of have to take the good with the bad. This is Dave Landau. You can see him this weekend at Laughing Comedy Cafe. Two shows tonight and tomorrow, 7.30 and 9.30. LaughingComedyCafe.com for tickets. I know as a stand-up, when you start the headline and you go around the country, they start bringing you in to do the morning press. You'll go do the local TV. You'll go do the local radio. I know you've done the Bob and Toms and all kinds. When did you start wanting to pursue doing radio, or did you kind of just fall into it? I fell into it. Um, I actually fell into stand-up because I was doing improv, too, and people thought I was a good writer. And my stand-up kind of took off. So I was going around the country doing morning press all the time. And every radio DJ liked me. They always complimented me. They would have me back in. And depending on what part of the country, you know, they have these massive followings. So I'd be put on their shows that they would do at theaters. And I was just used to doing radio and talking to people and being myself. And eventually I went into Anthony's, uh, who was my hero. Like, that's the show that I would listen to was Opie and Anthony. And I went in and we just clicked immediately. P.I. and Artie, and they kept asking me to come back and come back to the point that it was almost every month, and then they offered me the job. So I just sort of fell into it, but at the same time, I feel like my improv training and the years of stand-up all built up to something, because you never know what your break is going to be, but it was pretty cool that it was something that is self-created and something that I can't get fired from for anything I say, because Anthony says, stuff that's way worse <laughs> yeah uh, i mean well let me ask you i mean is it different for you now that you have a day it's not a day job i mean i know that sounds weird to say but it is a a weekly job that you have to go into monday through thursday you're not going and sitting at a cubicle but is it weird being on the road for so many years then all of a sudden it's i have this commitment of four hours a day every single day that i have to be there no it's the best it's two hours a day and it's in the afternoon so it, it's uh, it's absolutely great, actually, because it's just like hanging out to me. But it is different because I live in New York now. I I have to get used to the subway system that the city is just, you know, it's it's rough right now. And you have to, I had to get used to the big change between any other city in America and New York. It's like, all right, well, I just have to get used to seeing rats and homeless people <laughs> having sex with each other every day while I'm trying to take a train to work. Yeah, it's weird, but, man. I've only been to the city once, and I went with a radio guy, and we went up to tour Sirius, and outside of the Sirius building, there was a guy, a homeless guy, looked like he was overdosing. His mouth was foaming, and people were just walking over him like this was every day. And I went, I guess this is life in the big city. Oh, I'm not kidding. I was outside of Madison Square Garden, and there was a dead guy, and I walked up to a guy who was helping another dead guy. 
And I was like, hey, there's a dead guy over there. And the guy's like, yeah, I see that. We'll get to it. I was like, okay, I just wanted you know, there's two dead guys. Yeah. It's like four in the afternoon at one of the most famous like, arenas in the world. And, yeah, there's just dead people. It, it's really an interesting place. Do you guys do the show from the city? I know Anthony started the Compound Network in his basement, but I'm assuming, do you guys, have you guys moved to like a studio space in the city? We have a studio set up in the city. Uh, it's not far from Sirius, which is kind of uh, his middle finger, if you will. And <laughs> uh, it's, But right now, actually, we're at Anthony's house because of COVID, and I'm staying in his guest room, which is lovely at his mansion well it's i've seen so videos I'm, of the home it's a very nice palatial estate that he has there yeah it's gorgeous so he has he has that and i uh i stay there and every day i walk downstairs and from four to six we do that and we just started doing movie shows um where we watch a movie and we rip it apart kind of a mystery <laughs> science theater but we yeah. do movies we like like uh roadhouse we just did I love good, bad movies, and we just want to go through all of them. Is it weird living with a guy that you have to also work with? It, it we, we didn't know if it would be, but we get along really well, and we're two very different people uh, out after the show. So he goes and plays video games and uh, yells at people, and, <laughs> and I go upstairs and I write, and I, I write, and I, I do work, and I, I do stuff like that for my for my my other show on that network, which is a fair one, stand-up comedy. I'm, I just finished a book uh, that's going to be out after we get it edited. It's in the editing process with the publisher about my arrest as a child. So it's uh, it, it, I'm staying very busy doing other stuff, and then I have my son, and I have uh, I have a lot going on. So we, we're kind of only next to each other two hours a day. It's not too bad. Yeah, because, I mean, in that house, you could walk to one side and not see him for the entire day if he's on the other side of the house. Is this the first time you've been to Laughing, or have you been there before? I've been there when um, there was a different owner years ago. You know what? I think one of your old headshots is still up in the club. A very young Dave Landau. Looks like you're in a diner, and there's a like a sugar shaker in front of your hand. I am 20 years old in that picture. Man, yeah, because you walk in, and they have all old black and white headshots up, and that's a... That looks like it's an old, old headshot. Let me ask you about your album, uh, Nimble Fingers, out in stores now. Well, I guess not out in stores. You don't do that anymore. It's on Amazon, Spotify, iTunes. I'm sure DaveLandau.com. How long after you're done filming it can you do the material for? Uh, well, hopefully tonight. <laughs> <laughs> when COVID hit, there wasn't, uh, wasn't a lot of time to exercise the new, uh, all the new stuff. Yeah. I definitely have new stuff I'll be doing, but... Um, I recorded it in December or uh, late November. It came out in December, just before Christmas. Uh, it hit number one on iTunes and Amazon for over a week, which was really cool. I got a thing from Billboard as well. That was a really exciting thing. It's been very well received, and uh, it gets a lot of play on all those uh, different outlets. How long did it take you to actually craft Nimble Fingers? I know that the process of filming it, did you do two shows? I did four, but I just kept one. Really? And how long is the writing process, the honing process, before you do those four shows? I don't like to put out a yearly album. I might have to stop doing that. I haven't put out an album since 2008 before this one, or since 2013 before this one. So I, I want to do like a couple of decades that I've gone on the road for a long time. And it's not necessarily the material I've been doing that whole time, obviously. But I just want to make sure when I put something out there, it's really quality. And what it was 
was stories that I really wanted to tell, that I wanted to get out, and I really worked hard on it to get out uh, a certain message. And it, by the time I put it together, yeah, I mean, it was, or at least where I felt comfortable recording again, it had been six years, and I thought, yeah, I guess I'm just being a little slow about this, and now I kind of want to do a quicker turnaround. But even sometimes when you see comics who put out an annual special or some even twice a year, they lack something. Sometimes it's half perfect, and some of it just seems unpolished. And I'd rather just put out something that seems really well done than rushed. Yeah, Nimble Fingers, available Amazon, Spotify, iTunes. I know you mentioned you had a son. How old your kid? Just turned five, actually. Is this your first, only? First and only, yeah, completely. Are you married or single? What's the deal with the mom? Oh, I'm married. Yeah, we're married. Does she live with you and Anthony in Anthony's house, or is she back in the city and you're staying at Anthony's? She, I have a very interesting life. I go back and forth. Uh, We have a very nice home in Detroit, so I haven't left that. And she, uh, so she actually stays in Detroit with my son, who goes to a really good school. And then they fly out to where I perform when I'm on the road, or I obviously take off way more time now on the weekends. Yeah, And then spend every waking moment with my son. So this has actually given me even more of an opportunity opportunity to be with my kid, which is a really exciting thing. Because the first three years of life, I was with him every second of the day unless I had to go on the road. And now I just get these full weekends. And it's really cool. So we kind of just make it work the way that we can. Did and, you... and that's it's working out well for us. Did you bring him down to Florida or does he stay home in Detroit right now with all this stuff? With all this stuff, he's got to stay home in Detroit. Yeah. It's too risky, and there's just so much going on in the world right now. I don't want him to travel or have to deal with anything. Every, I think, I, I just hope everything starts to calm down and people get better. Yeah, I hope so too. Because it seems I saw that they started doing car comedy in the city. They started doing that down here as well. They started doing drive-in comedy shows, but like that Zoom show that you mentioned when we first began chatting, it's weird when the audience isn't sitting at a table in front of you. And they're virtual, or they're in a car, and you can't hear them laugh. And they honk their horn instead of laughing. I got invited to do one, and then I saw a video, and it's the most uncomfortable thing I've ever seen. It's like watching animal porn. It's like nobody wants (laughs) The guy doesn't want to be there. There's probably a gun off screen. It's just the absolute worst. I, I... can't do it and i've had people ask me like no you'll have fun i'm like i promise i won't have fun (laughs) every gig that's been terrible in my life you told me would be fun it's got to feel good though to get to a point in your career where you can turn down gigs because at a point when you first started out as a young dave landau trying to struggle to come up the ranks i'm sure you would have been hey somebody's gonna do an internet show i'll do that yeah let me jump on stage at this uh uh, drive-in movie theater and do comedy as well but now that you've been doing it long enough you can look at that and go is it worth the payday to be that uncomfortable no I'm not going to do that. I don't need that money. It's so nice. I've taken so many games over the years that I didn't want to do, and it's just so nice to be able to say, yeah, I can. Because you've, you've done it. You've walked into the gig. You're dreading it. You see the parking lot. I've been to gigs where, I'm not kidding, they took a break in the middle of the show. It was a smoke break, and the uh, it's between the feature and I, and we look outside, and they're all just smoking meth. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I thought it was like cigarettes. But this whole place is okay with meth. Yeah, and we, then they came back in. <laughs> Great, yeah, lovely me, town. Yeah, really high strung. That's what you want the audience to be on meth while they're watching you. Uh, there's a lot. Yeah. You'll know down here, Southwest Florida. It's elderly, and uh, we do a lot of comedy shows in uh, 
Elks Lodges, places where they're, you know, it's a built-in audience, so you don't got to do a lot. You just come and entertain the old folks. Problem is, in between the feature and the headliner, they always got to do a potty break because the old people, they can't sit there for an hour and a half without going to the bathroom. And there's nothing that interrupts a show more than a 75, 75-year-old standing up and walking to go to the bathroom and empty their diapers. I've had that, too, where I know people who have done old folks' homes and somebody's just dead. And it's like, uh, do we stop the show? Like, <laughs> no, no, it happens. What's the worst gig? I know you mentioned in the beginning that you had beer bottles thrown at you when you started in Detroit. Where's the worst place that you've ever had to do stand-up? You walked in, you were like, shit, I'm in a bowling alley tonight? All right, we're going to do this. Yeah, I wish I could say it was a bowling alley, but some of those have turned out good <laughs> I, it's so weird i've had so many bad ones that i think through therapy i've learned to block out of my mind bottle one in particular was pretty bad because i guess i could just tell that one but it wasn't the worst but that one i went to and it was my first time emceeing a show i was getting paid to MC, and it was during the world series in a sports bar with all the tv <laughs> tvs on yeah or uh, could have been a playoff or whatever it was but I walk in, and the owner walks up to us, and is like, okay, I'm going to shut off the TVs and start the show. And I said, I think that's a horrible idea. Everybody's <laughs> in here wearing the team's jerseys. I, yeah. I don't think we should do comedy night. He goes, no, I've advertised it. They know. I'm like, I really don't think they do. You should probably just wait till the game's over. And he's like, no, nah, don't worry about it. So he shuts off the TV, and they're already booing. <laughs> shuts off all the TVs. They're booing. They're angry. I walk up on stage. My first time I'm saying, I go, Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? And a bottle just sort of appeared, you know, because you're blocked by a light and yeah. just shattered behind me. And I said, and good night, everybody. And I walked off. I love that because the bar owner, I love those guys. They're like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. They'll be fine. Just get up there and tell your jokes, dick face. And then you're like, well, no, I know that they want to watch the game. You're going to get me hurt. Yeah, you're like, no, I can tell by the vibe in the room that they're wearing jerseys watching a TV with the same jerseys that they don't want to watch me. Yeah, now, now <laughs> they're going to watch. say Dave on them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say Landau on the back. They're real excited yeah. to see you. This is Dave Landau, <laughs> his radio show, The Anthony Cumia Show with Dave Landau. It airs on Compound Media Monday through Thursdays. What time is that? Uh, it airs from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, www.compoundmedia.com, or they can download the Cumia Show app. And, yeah, 4 to 6 Eastern, Monday. Monday through uh, Monday through Thursday, actually, and then Friday sometimes we'll do a bonus show. Very cool. Let me uh, run through some quick questions for you, if you don't mind. These are five quick questions with Dave Landau. Uh, Dave, what do you look at when you uh, make duty? Are you a reader? Do you scroll, or do you just try and get done and finished as quickly as possible? I am a scroller to the point that uh, my legs go numb. <laughs> And that I've been in there for so long, I use N-Dust Electronics Cleaner on my phone after. To just clean Because it. <laughs> I was in there for so long. I basically become paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah, it's weird. I do the same thing, man. I'm a scroller. I don't actually ever engage in any of it. I just keep scrolling. Next thing you know, it's 45 minutes, and you're like, oh, shit, I was cooking something. I better get back to that. But that's what happens when you have kids. That's the only place that I can go where I'm alone. It's the bathroom, and then I just sit, and I'm comfortable. Oh, it is. When you're a kid, you're like, why does dad shit for 45 minutes? And you're like, oh, because he hates us today. That's why. All right. Uh, here's the next one, Dave. Um, let's see. If you had to masturbate one male celebrity to save a loved one's life, but you get to choose the celebrity, which male are you masturbating? I guess I would have to go uh, 
does it count if they're trans? <laughs> I don't know. There's a girl named Bailey J. I would do that. She's super hot. I'll, I'll go Bailey J. Oh, I know Bailey J. We, we, we play a game on our show, but that's a different story. But, yeah, there's uh, Bailey J. And there's another man who has a vagina. Buck, looks... Buck Angel. Yeah, so we play <laughs> Would You Rather Have Sex with Bailey J. or Buck Angel. Oh, that's a good game. <laughs> yeah, and everybody usually picks Bailey J. no matter how strict you are. Because the only thing that's feminine about Buck Angel is the vagina. Yeah. And the only thing that's male about Bailey is her massive penis. Yeah. yeah, she has a big one. Yeah, we play... Uh... On the radio, I play, is it bigger? Uh, items bigger or smaller than Ron Jeremy's nine and three quarter inches. And Ron Jeremy's been pretty cool, man. I got his phone number, so we'll call him. We'll give him the items. And he just tells us if he thinks his penis is bigger or smaller than it. And then the callers win prizes. And I go, that's why I love radio, because I get paid to be a fucking idiot. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, all right, next question that I have. Uh, when and where did you lose your virginity, Dave Landau? It, it's odd, because I... I it, I have a couple experiences, but it happened so quick. I don't really consider it I was 17. But if I had to, I would say uh, 14 in this very, uh, we can call her a loose gal. Uh, <laughs> one of her, we thought she was upstairs when uh, I guess one of my friends wasn't using her. I don't know if that's horribly misogynistic, but she was, you know, you know, when you nickname somebody Tina the Sperm Cleaner after a two short song, <laughs> there's just always that girl. So, Tina yeah, I would say cleaner. like when I was 14, but it, but it was so, it had to be the most disappointing experience. I don't even think a hymen broke. How long in between having sex the first time with Tina the Sperm Cleaner and then the next time that you had sex? I'd say the real time, um, well, I was probably 15 and then 16 for real with my girlfriend, you know? Yeah. There was always the, like, yeah, you can, and then three seconds later, I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah, I got... And, uh, so I guess she was still, I guess you're still good with the Lord up to a point. (laughs) I got, uh, I had mouth hugs from a gal at 13, and then I didn't lose my virginity till 17, And that was four years of knowing what it felt like to have a girl touch and play with your penis before you get to it again. And that was torture, Dave. That was like a prison sentence. When you're a horny teenager and you know what it feels like and then you can't get another girl to do it for another four years, it drives you insane. That's absolutely the worst. I was very lucky where girls were pretty uh, frivolous with the head, uh, but they weren't, they didn't, they weren't, uh, yeah, you had to, I don't know, some just, they were not into, sex the way that people are now unless you were dating them it wasn't just easy to just have sex with one of the girls in my high at least for me yeah but i was popular and i did you know i had girlfriends so but yeah so but when i really started having sex i was probably 17 and i wore condoms i was already germaphobic and stuff so it wasn't really great by any stretch of the imagination when I look back. And when I think of being a teenager, I probably just smelled awful. I was on (laughs) drugs all the time, smoking (laughs) cigarettes, drinking. Like, it probably just smelled like her uncle on top of her as opposed (laughs) to me. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) Dave Landau. You know, that doesn't sound very misogynistic, just slightly misogynistic what you said there. (laughs) Uh, Dave Landau, you can see him all weekend long, Laugh-In Comedy Cafe, 
Two shows tonight and tomorrow, 7.30 and 9.30. Uh, LaughingComedyCafe.com for tickets. Dave, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me and bullshitting, man. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'll be dropping by the late show tonight. But Dave is very funny. So if you're out there and you're listening to this, go see him. You're going to enjoy the show. It's not like something you've seen before. Dave's very funny. Tells very funny stories from his youth. I mean, the whole thing about getting arrested as a child, You, uh, I know that you went through your battles with addictions as a youth and now you're clean and sober the way you tell those stories and uh have jokes with them it's very i don't know it was fun to watch man i sat in the back of asani's and i was like holy shit man i know the guy's telling jokes but it's almost like he's telling me a story too about his life and i can follow from the beginning to where you are now and you can see him do it again this weekend laughing comedy cafe so dave i appreciate your time man and i'm looking forward to seeing you tonight no problem thanks for having me on no problem have a good one dave you too Thanks for checking out the Robcast. If you dug this, subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash robshow. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash robshowtv. And fellas, feel free to send those D-pics on social, the Rob Show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 